Hey church, good to see you. Welcome along. Owner operator. Are there any owner operators here? Anybody own and operate their own business? Yeah, there's a few hands going up. Awesome. I take, I salute you. I take my hat off to you. Uh, there's something that is, is very bold and courageous about owning and operating your own business because essentially it's all on you. The buck stops with you. If you don't make money, then your family don't eat. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, I'm a, I'm a safe, I'm a safe man. I work for the hospital. It's a big organisation. They have millions of dollars, and they give me a salary, and I like that, and that is safe. Um, and uh, I, so I just salute anybody who is a who's an owner operator. But you see, we are actually called to be owner operators of our own lives. Now. Technically, you could say, well, Jesus said, uh, or actually in Galatians 2, it says of Jesus, if you want to put that uh, scripture up, that we are not our own. That actually, if, if you're a Christian here today, you've been bought. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So, in essence, we're not our own, but we also are. Ah, because nobody else can live your life for you. Nobody else can take responsibility for your world like you can. You are the owner-operator of your world, of your life. And it's, it's in that sense that we, we are doing this series. May I spoke a great word uh, last week about how we, how we take control of our inner world, because how many of you know it all flows from our heart, our lives flow from there. If we can, can take control of that, then, then we're in a safe space. But actually, you know, Jesus talks a lot about being responsible, because essentially being an open operator is about taking responsibility for your life. How many of you like that word? Responsible. Responsibility. Oh, go on, you're lying. Those people who put their hand up, you're just the good people who put your hand up when I ask you to. Let's be honest, it's, it's, a, it's a hard concept because the buck stops with us. But actually, Jesus talked a lot about responsibility. If you look at his, his parables, a lot of them are, are about taking responsibility in our lives. The, the parable of the talents. A master gives some talents to, to his servants. He says, do some good with this. Grow this. It's their responsibility. The, 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 the parable of the ten virgins, they're, they're waiting for the bridegroom to come, and, uh, and they've, they've got the um, oil-filled um, lanterns, and they're waiting. It's their responsibility to keep the oil in those. Uh, even the good Samaritan, you know, Jesus is, is telling that story because he's saying, you know, it's your responsibility to look after the broken and the hurting, no matter what race they are. So many of Jesus' stories are actually about taking responsibility for our lives. But if we think about how, he, how we take responsibility for our lives, we, we, we agree, yep, I, I need to be responsible with, with my money, and I need to be responsible with my time, and I need to be responsible uh, at my work. And, and, and we often apply these things to lots of area, to responsibility to lots of areas of our lives, but we often don't apply it to our relationships. And that is what I want to talk about today. We're going to talk about relational responsibility. Because Jesus actually, and a lot of his stories about responsibility, talks about money. Now, 
there's a reason for this. It's because we understand money. We know that if, if we have this much money and we spend it, it's gone. And we know that we need money to get by. And so it's a concept that, that we understand. And Jesus knew that his audience understood. So he talked about money a lot when it came to responsibility. But at the end of one of his parables about money, Jesus says this. If you want to put the next slide up there, Nahuya. He says this in Luke 16. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? So what Jesus is saying is that actually money is not that valuable. Yes, you've got you to look after it, but actually it's kind of a test. True riches is not how much money is in your account. It's not your house or your, your, your car. True riches goes beyond that. And now there's some debate, theologians debate what true riches are, but I think in God's economy, money is not true riches. In God's economy, true riches are his son, Jesus, and the people that he loves and he sent his son to die for. They are what is truly of worth in this world. So if we think about responsibility and we apply it to that concept, then actually the, the thing we have to be most responsible with is our relationships. That's actually the thing of greatest value. And that's the thing we have to be most responsible for. So, well, how do, how do we do that? How do we take responsibility for our relationships? Jesus, he talks a lot about, about money and uh, about taking responsibility there. But, but how do we apply it into relationships? Well, the first relationship the prime relationship that we have to apply this to is our relationship with God. That is the key relationship that we have to apply responsibility to. Because from out of that, every other relationship flows. You know, so often we're, we're short with our, with our wife or our, our husband. We're, we're snappy with the kids. We're a, a bad work colleague. We're a, a rude friend. We're, we let people down because... First of all, we didn't take time to be with Jesus. We didn't put that relationship first. You see, in our, in our modern world, we often place family as number one. Now, I love my family, but they're actually not the first priority when it comes to relationships in my world. Jesus actually debunks this. And he did it quite harshly a number of ways. There was a, there was a, a follower of his who, whose father had just died. And Jesus says, come follow me. And he says, oh, uh, I, I will, but let me go bury my dad. And Jesus says, this seems really harsh. He says, let the dead bury the own, the own, their own dead. He's basically saying, no, no, he's dead. Don't worry about that. I'm, I'm alive and I'm life. Follow me. Wow, okay, Jesus. Seems a bit harsh. Or, or when... Uh, when um, some followers come to Jesus and Jesus is teaching and he says, oh, uh, your, your, your mom and your, your brothers want you. And Jesus turns around and says, who's my mom? Who's my brothers? Anyone who follows me and does the will of my father, they are my mother, my brother, my sister. Actually, he completely debunks this myth that it's all about family. He says, no, no, it's not all about family. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about me. 
It's a pretty egotistical thing for Jesus to say, but he says, it's all about actually following me and my Father. And so often we worry about stuff in our world. We worry about, and as a dad, you know, it's natural to want to worry about your kids. Uh, you know, you want to worry about them, make sure they've got, they've got clothes on their back. That, you know, kids in winter are crazy. Who's with me? They just go, you know, they would go in shorts. My five-year-old would go to school in shorts and T-shirt if she could. Like, she's just got no, I don't know, sense of, of self-preservation when it comes to winter <laughs> at all. But, but how do you know? You want, you want your kids to be well-clothed. You want them to be well-fed. You want them to have a good, warm house, a roof over their head. But Jesus debunks this in, in Matthew. You put up the scripture in Matthew. He says, don't worry about these things. Don't worry. You know, look at the birds of the air. They're, they're clothed beautifully. Look at the, the, flower, the flowers. Are, 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 you know, God looks out for them, the flowers of the field. And then he says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So when you seek God first, when you seek that relationship, his kingdom coming in your world, when you put him first, all these other things for you and your family fall into place. You don't need to worry about putting food on the table, about clothing your kids. You don't need to worry about having a warm home because if you put God first, he will look after those things for you. Now, that doesn't mean you give up your job and you just sit around and do nothing. Oh, I'm just seeking God. No. But you seek Him first in your relationships. You put Him first, and He will look out for your family. I tell, I tell you what, your family will never come second when you put God first. Some of you need to write that down. My family will never come second if I put God first. Because I tell you what, you will be a better mother, father, friend, Sister, brother, if God is king in your heart, if, if you put God first in your life, they will benefit. Their world will be good because you are good with God. Because you will be becoming more like Christ. You will be less short with them. You'll be able to provide for them better. God will pour out his blessings on your lap because he promises to. He promises to. This is really a matter of trust. Do you trust what Jesus said there? If I put him first, he'll take care of all those things. Some of us need to get over that hurdle in our lives. We need to go, actually, I need to put God first. And my money, I need to tithe. I need to give. Because that releases the hold of it on your life. I need to put God first in my time. I need to spend quality time with him. Rather than reading the newspaper or your, it's probably on your phone these days uh, at breakfast. No, you need to be reading the Word of God, getting Him in there. So when we put God first, everything else falls into place. So that's our number one relationship. That's, our, that's the one we've got to prioritize above all else. But then how do we prioritize the rest of them? If we're take, taking relational responsibility, then actually... We need to think about who we hang out with. And you, and you think, oh, that seems pretty, pretty harsh and a bit, bit too organizational for my liking. They're just friends, aren't they? Well, let's think about Jesus for a sec. Jesus had the crowds that he preached to. Then he had the 72 that he sent out. Then he had the 12 that were his 
disciples. And then he had the three, Peter, James, and John. They were like the inner core. So Jesus actually had favorites. You go, oh, that's, no, no, he's got. No, actually, he spent more time with those three than any else. He gave priority to those relationships. I want to be like Jesus. I imagine you do too. So we need to think about what priority do we give our relationships? Now, I'm not saying you rank your friends. <laughs> oh, I've slipped from three to four because I said that to me this week. No, no. No, it's not like that. But we do need to think carefully about who we spend time with. Now, while Jesus debunked the myth of, of, of family as central, I think your family are going to be some of those key relationships, okay? If you're married, your wife or your husband has to be number one in that list, okay? <laughs> yeah, you're sorry, you can't put your mates before them, okay? And also, that goes for your kids as well. They have to be in that, in that top part of that list, okay? Well, I think we understand that. But beyond that, how do we do it? Can I suggest, first of all, that you pray? That's, that's always the starting point. Ask God. Okay, God, who are these people that I want in my world? And, and, and short of that, here's, here's, here's a little tip. Here's some, some points that you can think about. The three C's, I call them. Chemistry, character, and competence. All right? So com yeah, yeah, competence, it's, it's a more a leadership paradigm. Um, so competence is kind of like, uh, but let's just think about these. Chemistry. Okay, that's an obvious thing. Do you get along with them? Are they fun? Do you like hanging out with them? Because if you don't like hanging out with them, you don't want them to be your friend, right? Okay, so that's kind of a given. And that normally we don't, often don't get past that. That's kind of normally our only criteria for a friend. It's like, oh yeah, get on with them. Uh, they're fun. Okay, but we need to think a bit deeper. Character. What's the character of this person I'm hanging out? Are they taking me in the direction that I want to go? Does their life line up with the values that my life does? Are they drawing me towards God or away from Him? And if, if they're drawing you away from them, then perhaps you need to bump them down the list. You need to maybe cut them out altogether. But we need to think about the character of the people we hang out. And competence, well, as I said, it's more you know, a leadership paradigm. But you could say, uh, are they good at what they do in their world? Because actually, if they're not, do you want them to be your friend? If they're sloppy and they're late and they're bad at what they do, that's going to flow into every area of their life, and it's going to actually flow into you because we are the company that we keep. So actually, yeah, you could add incompetency there. But I would say, before you do this test, pray. Ask God, God, you know, who are the people that I want to have in my world. I've seen a lot of posts recently on, uh, on, on Facebook about um, you know, cutting people out of your life who are, who are negative, and I just want to be hanging around, and often they have like nice pink, they're often posted by girls, I'm sorry, but they've got nice pink backgrounds, and they've got an inspirational quote about having people around me who's, who you know, build up my life. And, and I understand that, and I think, yes, you want to have people who, who build you, but be careful with that. Because you don't want to surround yourself with yes men or yes women. You don't just want to surround yourself with people who will always tell you what you want to hear. 
There's a great passage in Proverbs that says this. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. It's a funny one. Oh, you're so good. I love you so much. You're just everything you do is so wonderful. Don't go changing at all. You're just beautiful the way you are. Just be the same always. Well, if we think about Jesus and his friends. Who was the disciple who was most famous for kissing Jesus? Who was it? Judas. Was he a good friend? Was he a good friend? On the scale of excellent friend to terrible betrayer, where was Judas? But he was the one who was most famous for kissing Jesus, the people who kiss you now, okay, we're not Italian, I'm not expecting you all to be, you know, kissing your friends, but you understand what I'm saying, but the people who will actually perhaps wound you to make you a better person, possibly they will direct you and have some harsh words with you to challenge you so you don't go down a path that you shouldn't go down. Those are the people that you want in your life. Don't go cutting them out. Just because they've offended you. Take that word on board and say, is this coming from a trusted friend? Is this coming from someone who I know is for me? And if it is, then I I would be foolish to throw it out. You'd be foolish not to listen to that and take it on board. You know, if you think about another one of Jesus' disciples, Peter. He was always questioning Jesus. Often it was just because he was a bit dumb. And, And often it's questioning ended up, um, you know, it didn't actually come to much. But at least, you know, Jesus allowed someone in his world who was challenging him, who was, and, and, and actually Peter even betrayed him later on. We know about, you know, the, the, the rooster crowing three times after Peter betrayed him. And yet, he's one of Jesus' inner three. He's a close friend of Jesus. So allow those people into your world. Allow those people into your life. Okay, so maybe we've got our list. You don't have to write a list. Just have a think about it and a pray about it. Or if you're very organized, you might want a list. Some people are like that. I'm not like that. Uh, You can make a list. But how then do we think about taking responsibility for those relationships? How do we do it? Well, a lot of you will have heard the phrase that time is money. Actually, I would say that time is love. Maybe you've heard the the saying that you spell love, T-I-M-E. And if we think about those key people in our lives, the greatest thing we can give them is our time. We've got to prioritize time for those people. And not all hours are created equal. Yes, you have 24 hours in a day, but not all hours are created equal. Too often we give the worst time to our best people. You don't want to give your worst time, the time when you're grumpiest and tiredest and hungriest, they generally go together, to the people that are most important to you. You want to give your best time. So can I suggest if you're married, have a date night. Man and I, every week, 
it's been hard with a with a um, eight month old in the house, but we set aside time just to hang out, have a glass of wine by the fire, and talk about our week, spend some quality time with each other. If you're, yeah, if just spend some time hanging out with one another. If you've got a family, make time for your family. Don't just give them the dregs of the day when you get home from work. Set aside some time on Saturday or Sunday afternoon, mate, and go on an adventure. Do something fun with them. I, I have four daughters, and with my eldest three, every week I, I go on a date with one of them. And if it's summer, we'll go to the beach or the park, and winter we'll go to the library or a cafe or just even go home and just do something fun together. But we make sure that's just one-on-one. And may it us the same. Because we, we realize that actually these are our key relationships. These are our priority in our world. And so we need to make sure that that happens. Because I tell you what, they're not young for long. And, uh, you know, the, the, that time just flies by. So, so make time. On that note, can I say that when you are making that time, be present. Because how many of you, you can be there, but you cannot be present. And the number one thing that stops us doing that, I'm just going to put this on silent, uh, <laughs> is this. You know, you can be with your child, but if you're checking out the latest sports results or listening to music on it, you might think you're multitasking, but what it tells them is that you're, they're not valued above whatever's going on on your phone. So be present in those moments. Take some time and make sure you are not just spending it whiling away with the phone. So if we think, yeah, okay, we're taking responsibility. We're spending time with these people. How else can we, can we grow in our, in our relational uh, responsibility? Well, a lot of you will have heard of a term IQ. Your intelligence quotient. Yep, all heard of that? How many of you heard of EQ? That's your emotional quotient. It's uh, your emotional intelligence, essentially. So uh, some researchers about 20 years ago um, found that actually in, in leadership and in life, the people who, who achieved weren't those with a high IQ. They were those with a high EQ. And, and, it's, and they also found that it's actually not just genetic. It can actually be learnt. And so your, your emotional quotient, your emotional intelligence is something you can develop. And I, I actually want to break down and give you five kind of, well, you can call them life hacks if you like, I don't like that term, but five ways that you can think about your emotional intelligence and that will help you take responsibility in your relationships more. Because, you know, our emotional intelligence is actually why some people get on with us and some people don't. It's why we are good at some things in our workplace and, and not so good. It's why when we walk into a room, people respond like this or they don't respond so positively. It all comes down to our emotional intelligence. So would you like, would you like to hear some of those? Okay, so the, f- the first one is uh, understand the effect you have on a room. What changes when you go into a situation? 
Now, it's difficult, this kind of self-analysis, because you're not in a room that you're not, you haven't been in a room that you're not in. If you know what I mean? So you can't, you don't know what it's like before and after. You only know what it's like after. Uh, but having said that, I think self-awareness is key to life. <laughs> it really is. Knowing, oh, I'm reacting like this because I was hurt by this. Oh, I'm actually reacting like this because I'm hungry. That's generally nine times out of ten, uh, for our children at least. Oh, I'm reacting like this because, you know, I'm frustrated in this other area. They're having that kind of awareness. It's a hard one to gauge, but, but, but start to think, okay, how am I affecting this situation? Because it is the thing that, you know, people will react to you. And, and how many of you know, we all know people who have no social awareness. We all know those people that are completely unaware of how they are acting and how they are changing. Often they are drunk at that time uh, because that decreases your self-awareness a whole lot. But we, we know that when people are, are not socially aware. Now, I'm not saying be socially anxious and be like, oh, 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 how am I affecting all these things, you know. But be aware. And I tell you what, and this is a hard thing to do, but try this. Ask people. Ask them, ask people you trust, hey, when I come home from work, you know, how am I? Do I, you know, are my, are my kids scared? Are they worried? Oh, is this a good day at work? Is dad had a bad day? Is it going to be like, you know, ask. And, and, and when I say ask, don't be defensive about the answer. Don't justify. Ask with an open heart, willing to learn. And then you might grow. <laughs> but if you ask, like, oh, pastor told me that I need to ask this, so what am I like? You better be good. <laughs> you know, that you're not going to get the answer that you need, and you're not going to change like you should. Okay, so, so that's, that's the first one, is, is, is be aware. Number two is don't let your mood affect those around you. You, it is so hard, but I, I tell you what, you, you may have justified reasons for being in the mood that you're in, grumpy, annoyed, frustrated, but that doesn't mean that your friends have to wear it, your family have to wear it, because often, how many you know, it's the people we love the most that we end up laying all this stuff on, and they wear it. And actually, you're annoyed at a work colleague that means nothing to you, but your wife or your, your husband or your kids or your friends wear it. No, no, emotionally aware people also have emotional regulation. You know, emotional awareness is important, but emotional regulation is actually almost as important. Realize, okay, uh, this is the effect I'm having. Oh, realize this is the mood that I'm in okay, what do I need to do to not react like that? See, let's, take, let's bring it back to Jesus. I think Jesus had the most frustrating job in the world. I think he, he had every right to be annoyed and frustrated with his disciples, right? And with just the general people who, you know, beat him up and put him on a cross. Yeah, he had every right to take it out on them. 
But I never see Jesus allowing his mood to affect what he does. Do you? Do you see him just snapping? No. And I think the reason for that is, aside from the fact he's perfect, (laughs) he's God, but often Jesus goes away by himself to be with his heavenly Father. Often Jesus goes to a quiet mountaintop and just spends, it brings it back to that first point I had about having that key relationship. Jesus fed that relationship. And so that when it came to all the frustrating ones he had, and there were a few, he didn't react. The people he loved the most didn't wear it because he'd spent time with God. Okay, so that's number two. Number three, (laughs) oh, I love this one. Don't blame others. Don't blame others. Emotional intelligence is a lot about realizing, actually, it's only me who's responsible for me. It's so much easier to blame a situation. So much easier to blame somebody else. Oh, you know, this happened, therefore I'm reacting like this. Blame is the opposite of responsibility, isn't it? Blame is the opposite of responsibility. We have that phrase, shifting the blame. It's not my blame, it's I'm shifting it to somebody else. No, no. If we're to to grow in our relationships, we need to take responsibility. We can't blame our spouse or our kids or a situation. Why not? (laughs) Because we'll never grow beyond that. And our lives will never take responsibility and change. And we'll go through our whole lives blaming everything, every circumstance. And we'll get to the end and and we'll still be blaming. (laughs) We'll be on our deathbed blaming everybody that the fact that we're here. (laughs) We can't. We just can't go down that track. Number four, and it's, it's closely related to that, is don't make excuses. Stop making excuses. We make excuses, don't we? It's part of taking responsibility is not making excuses. Oh, I'm late because of the traffic. No, 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 you're late because you didn't leave on time. You should have accounted for the traffic. Oh, oh I'm sorry, I'm... I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm frustrated today because of this situation at home or da-da-da-da-da. No, 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 own it. Own it. Don't make excuses. And tell you what, when you start to own your problem, when you start to assume responsibility, that's when you start to change. And I'll tell you what, the more you own it, the less often it will begin to happen because you will start to change. If you keep putting it off onto someone else or a circumstance or making an excuse, then you stop taking responsibility and you stop changing. You stop growing. Maya has been going on this, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe six months ago I, I preached a, a sermon and I had this phrase, um, going on a ruthless journey of self-discovery. And Maya's really taken this phrase and run with it. And uh, it's forced her to, to, to look in the mirror and, and take, take account of a lot of the things that she does 
and, and the way she reacts. And it's really, it's fascinating. And I'm, I take my hat off to her because she's, she's changing some of the, the, the patterns in her world because of, oh, actually, I'm taking responsibility for this. I'm not blaming the kids anymore for my mood. I'm not, I hope she doesn't mind me using her as this example, but, you know, I, I'm actually taking responsibility. So no more excuses. I'm so, you, you've gone very quiet. <laughs> that responsibility thing is hard, isn't it? It really is. And number, number five, and number fifth, and our last little hack, and actually I'll get um, Roseanne to come. Thanks. Is that we need to not lower ourselves to the, to the lowest common denominator. What I mean by that is, is that in any given situation, you can... You can come down to the level of gossip or backstabbing or um, just, you know, you can read the situation and you go, oh, people are having a go at this person or this situation. Well, I've got something to say about that. <laughs> and you can wade on in. But you see that an, an emotionally intelligent person will take the high road. They'll rise above that. They'll realize that actually, no. Nah, I, I don't need to go down there. There's a, there's a great saying. It says, never wrestle with a pig. You, they both, you both get dirty and the pig enjoyed it. It's true. If the pig's the only one that's enjoying that, you'll come out and you'll feel dirty. You'll feel like, oh, that actually, I shouldn't have done that. I, you know, Don't lower yourself to that level. Rise above. Be the bigger person. Jesus had every opportunity to come down and to fight at that level. To go, you know, but he zipped his mouth. He he was led to slaughter like a lamb was led to slaughter. He was was silent. He didn't lower himself to that level. And, And neither should we. I wonder if you'd stand with me. We're about to finish, but I know that well, a lot of what I've he- said today is, it's not, it's not easy stuff. It's not like a nice pat you on the back kind of sermon today. Sorry, church. But re- taking responsibility is never going to be easy. Because we've talked about it. it's easier to shift the blame. It's easier to make excuses. But I know that your heart is to follow God with everything you are. And, and so I just want us to come with humility before God this morning and realign our priorities. I want us to spend a moment just placing God as our number one relationship, perhaps repenting of where we've put our family first or where we've put our work first or, or whatever it is we've done. No, no, let's come this morning And God is gracious. He forgives you for that. He's not judging you for that. In fact, He's saying, yes, yes, welcome. I love you and I want to make your life the best life it can be. But I need you to first submit, to humble yourself to me. I think we need to do that. And and I also think there there are some points I've made that maybe you need to realign your friendships. Maybe you need to reprioritize things there. And maybe you just need to start taking responsibility for your relationships more. 
Maybe you just need to stop blaming and start owning the problems. Start owning your reactions, your moods. Come on, let, let's just close your eyes. And in this moment, if, if, if you'd like me to pray for you for any of those things, I, I'll just raise your hand in, in an act of surrender and I'll pray. Father, I thank you that you are our loving Father and our relationship with you is paramount in our lives. And God, we say we're sorry where we've put other things ahead of you, whether it's our family or our work or our recreation, whatever. God, we're sorry. Lord, we come back to you today. And we commit again to every day spending time with you because we know that our families, our workmates, our friends will benefit when we put you first. So God, we, we realign our hearts with you this morning. And God, give us wisdom. We ask for wisdom. And who are those key people in our lives? Some of them are not chosen for us as a, a family, but the ones we can choose. God, give us wisdom. Show us who are those people that have the character that are going to take us in the right direction. And, and finally, God, help us to take responsibility in our relationships. Help us to stop shifting the blame. Help us to stop making excuses. God, we know we are the owner-operator of our lives. We realize, Father, you've given us your spirit to help us. And we ask God now for help. We need your help in this. God, help us to grow day by day, week by week, to become more and more like your son, Jesus. We pray his name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Hey, there's one more group of people I want to talk to and, and pray for this morning, and that's if, if you're here this morning and you don't know this Jesus we're talking about, you don't know him as we say Lord and Savior, that just means you're your boss and the one who saves you from your own sin and iniquity. If you don't know that you don't have that relationship, you don't know God in your life, then I want to give you an opportunity. You can have that this morning. Just with every eye closed and head bowed, if, if you're here this morning and you know in your heart that your life isn't right with God, but you want it to be, I tell you, that is the number one relationship that you have to get right in this world. If that's you this morning and you want to do that, just raise your hand. I'll see it and you can put it down. Just take a moment. Is there anybody here you need to make that decision?